Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, girls and boys. We're back, Nick. (laughs) So Christmas is over, and in between the actual eating and drinking to excess, you've had a veritable feast of football. With pre-Christmas cheer on the 23rd and a Boxing Day bloat, we've got so much to talk about as the game weeks flow like Malvino on Christmas Day, or maybe uh, Bailey's in the evening. I'm joined today by Nick. How was your Christmas, mate? Hi, Tom. Yeah, it was a great Christmas. I'm, I'm re- it's really nice to have a break and relax with the family with a little bit of a coffee and TV. But I'm uh, pleased to be back and uh, ready to crack on. So uh, we are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And online at whogottheassist.com, and you can follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear. Cool. Uh, so on today's pod, we'll talk about what's been going on, focusing in on the upcoming blank and double game weeks. Uh, we'll have a whole section on that, as well as a couple of hot topics in the meta at the moment. Update you guys on the anti-metas, Alan Yom in the market, and finally take your questions. Yeah, but thanks for the question, guys. So, uh, Tom, how have you been uh, getting on over this, epi- um, this festive period in FPL? Uh, well, Nick, it's actually been going really well. Um, I, I've had three pretty damn good game weeks, and uh, I'm back in it now. It feels a bit more kind of like, uh, you know, it, it feels like I can be happy about FPL again after you know being languishing in the millions for a while and having a few kind of tough pods. Um, you know, game week 18, after we spoke to Chief, I got 74. Uh, game week 19, I've got 86. And this game week, um, I'm on for 98. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, up to about 400k, I think, after tonight's result. Um, but I've cut my rank, you know, I've I've got a third of the rank I was, I was before, and there's no other way for it but uh, making very boring kind of moves. So you've been telling me for ages, haven't you, that I've got to be boring or to make logical moves, and I've done it. So I did, you know, Kenny in for Walker, Sterling in for Silver, and I was trying not to be too clever with what I was trying, and uh, did no Hail Mary captains. I wasn't trying to overanalyze, I wasn't trying to be too clever. Just made played a very straightforward game. And, you know, it's paid dividends. Obviously, I got very lucky with Firmino. Um, but, you know, overall, I've been doing really well just through trying, like, consolidating my progress. And I think that will continue through Captaining Salah this coming week. What about you? 
Yeah, it's been really good for me actually. So uh, yeah, we're we're both in good um, good moods, I guess, at the moment. I got um, eighty one points in game week eighteen, seventy eight in game week nineteen, and uh, ninety five this game week. So oh. not as high as your score, but you know, very close to the triple figure score. Um, you know, I made a last minute change. Well in the last hour to uh, Captain Kane over Salah. So that was um, that was a really good call in the end, I think, because um, obviously he got 34 points, which is brilliant. Salah doing the business again for me as well. Sterling, 11 points from him. Last game week, he's been smashing it recently. Alonso, 40 points in the last four game weeks. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, Kenny and uh, Clavin as well, you know. Uh, oh. He's picked up a number of clean sheets for me as well, so... Yeah, um, my um, I'm overall ranks now about um, 14k in the world. Um, one point fix was saying I was 8k. So yeah, I'm, I'm filled with an enormous sense of well-being at the moment. So yeah, it's all uh, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Um, so obviously we've got a blank game week coming up for Spurs and West Ham, followed by a double game week. And the first thing I think we're going to talk about today is managing that double game week. We're going to have a whole section on this to kick us off. Rob um, and Sanka have asked us. How many double game week players are we going to have? Uh, what have our strategies been? Eddie Gunnar asked the same thing. And finally, Joe Prenter asked us about the potential uh, for using a free hit during this time. Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking at the moment, my plan is to have about four players. I've already got um, two players in at the moment. So I've already got Kane, obviously, um, and Masuaku. And then I'm going to be carrying forward two free transfers. And I'm thinking um, my options that I'm, I'm thinking about bringing in are Ericsson and Anatovic. And um, I think they're both really good options for the double game week. Um, West Ham in particular have some great fixtures as well after the double game week. So I would definitely recommend um, looking at a West Ham midfielder. Anatovic is the one. And I think we're going to talk about him a little bit um, later on. But um, in terms of the uh, the free hit, I think that there will be um, better opportunities later on in the season to use that free hit. I'm not sure if this is the best week. I feel like you don't really need to load up with six players I think you could probably manage with about four, especially with Kane. And, you know, Spurs defence, for instance, doesn't seem too appealing um, because of the rotation risk that they they threaten. And I think you could probably avoid using the free hit. And just if you don't have many players at the moment, maybe just take a minus four or something just to just to load up on the players that you need. I, I don't know if you agree with that, Tom, do you? Yeah, I think in terms of the free hit, I mean, look, we've got... This is the, obviously a good opportunity to do it because you've got the opportunity to bring in these players and load up on them. But I kind of feel like you know, later on, you've got to be mindful of the fact that there is going to be one of these huge blanks. So every year, Nick, as you know, we get these massive blanks in terms of um, you know cup games, meaning that Premier League games are postponed for later fixtures. I think it's looking like game week 34 is the big one. Um, follow Ben Krellin on Twitter. Uh, he does a really mean spreadsheet on those. Um but the fact is that I think it's game week 31, which is looking like a kind of a four-team or a six-team game week, given how far teams are going to get in the FA Cup. Game week 28, Macy, Man United and Arsenal not have games. Um, but the fact is that on game week 31, if, that, if it does turn out to be that, if you have free hit then, in game week 31, that's going to be the week where some people are going to have you know, four or five players are going to have to take lots of hits to get a full 11. If you've got free hit, you can load up on the players of the teams who are playing, the best players you possibly can, and field a full team of really strong players and get you know, 20, 30 points over any, everybody else who has to kind of muddle through. Yep, great advice there. So um, I think the next question was from Connor Marmion. We're going to 
dive in and have a quick look at Spurs midfielders. And he's asked us um, Son versus Ali versus Ericsson. Now, um, my pick actually is Ericsson. I think he's been um, the most consistent of all the Spurs midfielders. Son seems to be the informed player and he's the value pick perhaps. But um, I do worry that he's the one that always seems to be rotated whenever uh, Pochettino wants to rotate. And those two fixtures do come... Um, quite closely together. I know you've been looking at Ali, haven't you, as your pick, though? Yeah, I have been. I mean, I, uh, I mean I've i got a file on the Spurs uh, the Spurs midfielders. I took it out and had a look at some of their stats. And actually, Nick, what, what I'm thinking now is Sonny. Um, so, I mean, I, I compared Ali, Eriksson and Son in terms of attack stats and creative stats. Attacking-wise, actually, it's Sonny uh, who's coming out uh, on top over the last four games. I tried to keep it quite kind of consistent. He's had 17 penalty error touches versus 10 for Eriksson, 8 for Ali. He's had 9 attempts at goal, 6 at Eriksson and five for Ali, five of those have been in the box compared to two for the others, and three of the shots have been on target. He's had a chance every 36 minutes versus a chance every hour for Eriksson and every 54 for Ali. So that's pretty strong. Creatively, as you might expect, your Eriksson call is probably going to be the man to, to make the chances. Um, he's created 13 chances in the last four uh, at the rate of a chance every 28 minutes. Ali's looking fairly decent there as well. Seven chances he's created. Three of them have been big chances. Uh, two of them were in the last game, of course, where he got a, a pair of assists, a chance every first nine minutes. And Son... Uh, has six chances created and he created one big chance of those a rate of one every 53 minutes but you know all of this kind of makes me think that Son is actually the man who's taking over what Ali contributed last year in terms of the attacking potential he's having the shots and he's getting the minutes I would tend to, to kind of take the punt on Sonny actually having looked at all of these fixtures I mean he's 8.0 and you know there are some worries aren't there Nick about his kind of place in the team yeah, I think there is a little bit of worry. Um, Lamella's fit now, and he's likely to possibly definitely get some game time over um, those two fixtures. But like you said, Son has been starting all the games. He's been in form. He's been um, linking up very well with the other attacking players like Ali and um, Ericsson and Kane. And yeah, I, I can understand what and um, why you see the appeal. He's um, also, if you don't have as much in, in the bank, he's also a much better pick in terms of budget because he's only 8.0. Uh, for me, I'm looking to sell Hazard. I think we're going to talk about Hazard a little bit later, but um, that gives me plenty of money in the banks so I can fund the um, the more premium pick, which is Ericsson. I think Ericsson, he's, um, he's the most consistent in my view in terms of midfielders. He's, um, he's got 107 points so far this season, which is... Um, you know, 15 more than um, Ali, 20 more than Son. So, you know, in terms of actual um, raw output, he's he's um, provided more. But I do understand why you might um, pick Son. He's, um, his form in the last five game weeks has been um, very impressive. I think he's got he's got four goals in the last six. So, yeah, that makes it makes a lot of sense why people are looking at him. He's been um, someone in our anti-meta team as, as well that's done very well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think he'll be the anti-meta triple captain. Uh, for me, I'm still between Ali and Son, and I think that the kind of the big factor here to watch is Wanyama. So Wanyama was the man who was obviously taking that midfield slot, which meant that um, Ali and Eriksen were the two lining up behind Kane. Uh, at the moment, it's looking like uh, obviously the three of them are there supporting Kane to score the score the goals that we've seen. And uh, if that configuration occurs and Wanyama's got more time on the pitch, I think he's back to fitness, isn't he? Or coming back to fitness, we may see some rotation there. But as it stands, if Sonny can hold down the place, and Son, to be honest, very good player. 
was very, very good at Leverkusen. Um, if, we, if we'd been around for prospecting the prospects, we'd have been saying, get this guy in. And every year, I think we do see, remember last year when Kane was injured at the start of the season, he was the man scoring the goals, wasn't he? So he could be, you know, the one that um, is an important differential for a few people ar- around this time. Yeah, definitely. And um, another question, I guess, um, moving on, I guess, to West Ham midfielders. Con, um, second season syndrome, he's asked us, do we want any West Ham players? And um, the answer to that, I guess, is, well, is yes. Um, we've both already got defenders. I've got Masuaku, you've got Ogbon, I think he's yeah. got you a, a, a fantastic zero-pointer. Masuaku's more on my bench as well a little bit, but he came on and got me only a point. But, you know, um, I think for the double game weeks... Um, I think it's worth still getting one of these guys in because there's not too many options in terms of cheap defenders right now. And West Ham, actually, even after the double game week, they've got some great fixtures. They've got Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace and Brighton. So I think um, a West Ham defender um, is a good pick. If you haven't got one already, it's worth getting for the double. But I think um, the main man you probably want right now for West Ham is Anatovic. He's only 6.9 million. He's had five goals all in the last five game weeks. He's been um, leading the way in terms of midfield um, shots on target. I think he's up there with Salah. He's had 19 attempts only in the last five games, 13 inside the box and seven on target. Yeah, for sure. I mean, London loves a double game week <laughs> at the moment. And, uh, you know, I looked at Arnautovic, IU, Lanzini and Antonio. I mean, I've got a lot, lot, lot of love for Antonio for the last couple of seasons. But at the moment, Arnie's running out big time. And David Moyes said he told him to run. And my God, he, he's running and trying over the last four games. Um, so, you know, again, trying to keep it quite current. Uh, he's had 22 touches in the box, 16 attempts, 11 of which have been in the box, which translates into one every 21 minutes. He's had five big chances. Uh, Antonio's just had six shots, and Lanzini's only had three. Uh, creatively, Arnie and Lanzini are ne- uh, neck and neck, although Lanzini missed the game, obviously. Both have created six big chances. Arnie's created two big chances. Uh, Lanzini's created three. Um, uh, Lanzini's created the chance every 45 minutes. Arnie's created the chance every 58 minutes. But, I mean, they're similarly priced, as you said. 6.9 for Arnautovic, 6.8 for Lanzini. And, you know, for me, it feels like uh, we're both going to end up on Arnautovic, aren't we, come the double game week? Yeah, definitely. I think Lanzini, his um, attacking output's been pretty poor this season. He's only actually had one goal all season. and He's had um, he's more of a creator, I guess. He's had five assists, four in the last five game weeks. But in terms of goal attempts and shots, he's only had three in the last six game weeks, um, two inside the box and one on target. And considering he's played five out, those six games it's a bit of a concern I guess if you're thinking about him as an option because his attacking output doesn't seem um, that high especially when you compare him to his um, teammate Anatovic it's it's a no-brainer isn't it yeah, I think so. I think so. I think when it comes to this kind of area, you've got to know your claret from your Beaujolais. <laughs> and um, on, on, at, at this point, I think that um, it's looking like Arnautovic is the man. And as you said, the fixtures after the... Uh, they've, they've got good fixtures up until game week 30. And it looks like the, it, it is worth having um, Arnautovic in there to replace Richarlison, who's obviously done a great job. We're going to speak about him later. Um, but as you said, Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace and Brighton are the four game week 23 to game week 26. So that's looking pretty decent, and I think you'd be happy to field probably field one of your West Ham defenders and uh, field that uh, West Ham midfielder during the time. And as I said, that midfielder is probably going to be on out of it. So yes, Con, I think we do want West Ham players. I think let's move on to the the big question here. I mean, we're going to talk about one of the bigger chips. It's the triple captain. Um, FPL Virgin asks us yes or no answer. Will you triple captain Kane? 
at this point, uh, without sounding too much like a politician, the answer is yes. Uh, and Varen asks, is now the time or do we use triple captain later on? So Nick, first thing, Epil Virgin asks, yes or no answer, will you triple captain Kane? Well, at the moment, it's actually a yes. Um, and I, 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 <laughs> It's moment. a surprise, yeah, I know. I, I might. I reserve the right to change my mind last minute and maybe um, switch around, especially if there's... Um, you know, last-minute doubts around his um, appearances. But um, based on um, the last couple of game weeks, two two hat-tricks, can he make it three? You know, it's a possibility. This guy has been on absolute fire the last couple of games, and and the fixtures are great as well. He's playing bottom of the league um, in Swansea, and he's playing West Ham as well, who have been pretty defensively poor all season, even though they've improved slightly under David Moyes. So he's got the he's got the form. You know, and you can't get better better form than two back to back hat tricks, can you? Yeah, and he's got the yeah. fixtures, so uh, you know why would you not triple cap him in? And I know it's kind of like, oh, I, you might think, oh, there might be a better opportunity later on in the season for one of the other double game weeks, but I, I really can't see it. You know, like later on in the season, we know that Manchester City probably will have sewn up the title, so they'll be playing all the youngsters, and so none of their assets will. Um, seem particularly viable um Klopp he loves to rotate as well so when there's a bit of fixture congestion you have to worry about the likes of Salah and um Firmino Coutinho getting minutes and then with Chelsea I guess you could Hazard's been very mercurial season so you can't really look at him as a potential captain and I think Morata as well you know it depends on the fixture so they might have horrendous fixtures for all you know but Spurs Harry Kane brilliant fixtures brilliant form why, why not I mean I'd, I'd like to hear a case really why you wouldn't triple captain him at this point yeah I think so I think triple captain is very much about the player um, whereas bench boost which is the other big one it's more about the team and kind of how they're going to set up and whether you know you're going to have the reserves coming on for the second game in the double game week but as it stands Harry Kane if he's fit he starts um Harry Kane's the ideal player's triple captain because of his explosiveness and his goal involvement. Just a few more stats on Kane. He's now surpassed his shots total for the whole of last year. He's had 116 shots versus 110 last year. He's having an attempt every 15 minutes. He's just 19 touches off his pen box touches for the whole of last year. And it's now obviously better Alan Shearer and Leo Messi um, in terms of goal records. So Alan Shearer in terms of goals in the Premier League ever and Leo Messi in Europe. And that links him with the goal involved that I spoke about. So he's been involved in uh, half of Spurs' goals this year. Last season he was involved in 56% of them. You see a goal for Spurs, it's came right. I mean, yeah, two days apart. Yeah, Lorente, yada, yada, yada. But he's a professional footballer um, who have his rest during the FA Cup. He may, may come off after 60, 70 minutes at Swansea. But you've got to be expecting him to play both games. Spurs are going to, as you say, have the motivation um, to start their strongest team. And, um, you know, psychologically, there's anticipated regret around this. There's FOMO. Um, I think there's a lot of people now saying, oh, I, I might not triple captain Kane. I'm probably going to captain him. But I think the fears and doubts are going to come in, aren't they, Nick? I mean, they're going to think, you know, what if I miss out and Kane smashes it? The, the more he scores, the worse it gets. Um, it will take a brave not to have Kane nor captain him. I don't think we're going to find many people who are sticking to Kane exit after uh, after this ke- coming game week. And I think it's going to be one of those where the triple captain is going to be pretty ubiquitous in the community, don't you think? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's breaking records constantly. He's he's chasing other records. Only two goals to be um, Tottenham's top scorer in the Premier League. You know, like he's obviously the linchpin of the team. Everything everything revolves around him, and, and his and his teammates want to pass to him. Unlike um, Lukaku, who doesn't seem to get the service from his teammates. But um, I'll, I'll be talking a bit about Lukaku a little bit later. This is Kane's section, and and yes, we are we are both thinking about triple captaining in him. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, you know, Captain Kane is a part of life, isn't it? And we're, we're all going to be happy. All right, let's move on to talking about next game week and a couple of other things around that after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, uh, so we're back and uh, I think it's time to talk about the game week coming. And I think particularly you know, Marco Olotti and MJ, FPL Fanatics, our teammate on uh, on Lacazetto Della Sport, we'll talk about that later, um, ask about the captaincy op- options with no Kane. And, uh, you know, part of me kind of thinks here, we've got to talk about Eden Hazard. Is it time for a last Hazard with Eden Hazard uh, this weekend, Nick? What do you think? Well, I mean, he's staying in my team, but I'm I'm certainly not thinking about captaining him in his current form. I know um, Chelsea have Stoke, and Stoke are in sort of dire straits at the moment. They've conceded more goals than any other team. Their defence is completely depleted. Uh, Kurt Zuma, one of their best defenders, is ineligible. Shawcross is out. Martins Indy is also out. Peters... He's supposedly injured as well, so um, Kevin Vimmer might be the only man sort of defending the line, and, and that's that's not good. So I what think um, yeah, Stoke, that would be. <laughs> yeah, I think Stoke and um, Mark Hughes in general look at like in a lot of trouble. So I can understand, I can definitely understand the appeal of um, captaining Hazard, but I mean his current form. He's had one assist in the last uh, five game weeks, and that's it in terms of output which is really, really poor, I guess, for a uh, premium midfielder, especially at his cost. So he's been, um, he's been winding us all up. We both had a little captain punt earlier on in, the, in that really poor run, and he's just um, yeah, he's let us both down. But we're not going to sell him behind this, before this fixture. Are we madness? Um, I'm actually thinking of drafting in another Chelsea player in Alvaro Morata, and I think he definitely is a captaincy option um, he got a hat-trick earlier on in the season against Stoke. He could easily repeat it again. I know you looked at Alonso as well as a possible differential captain, and I can understand why as well with his form. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, mean, I think we'll probably talk about uh, premium defenders in a bit. Um, but I think just to bring it back to Hazard, just because we, we've got to talk about him a, a little bit more, I think what we should probably say right now, Nick, is that he is in form. He, he's playing really well. I mean, we both watched him over the last kind of couple of days and both been saying on the slack, haven't we, that he is a he is so class as a player. The problem is, is just, it's just not translating into FPL points. And that's the difference, I think, between the actual football an FPL like you can be in form as a footballer but not be producing an FPL in the same way that Kevin De Bruyne earlier on in the season was also in form doing very well for his team but he actually wasn't doing very much in terms of our teams and, and that is what's really disappointing I mean I'd look at um, I mean, just to move on to MJ's question about the captaincy picks um, I'd look at um, some of the usual suspects I think that you know, without Kane you know, you've got Firmino there but the probably in terms of apart from Morata you haven't got that many strikers and I think a lot of the focus is going to be on that midfield five or four um, so I've looked at Hazard Coutinho Salah and De Bruyne 
uh, creatively in attacking again uh, creatively of the last four um, Hazard's actually on the level with Coutinho uh, who was the top uh, so he's created, uh, Hazard's created 11 chances he's made one big chance there's a chance every 28 minutes Coutinho um, has created 13 chances four of which have been big chances one every 27 minutes and then De Bruyne as you might expect has created 11 chances three big chances one every 30 minutes so it's keeping up with the key creators. It's just not translating into points. But I think it's attacking where things haven't really been working out. So no goals, but he's had no big chances either. Um, he's a top top for pen box touches. So he's had 38, um, whereas Salah has had 33, Sterling's had 31. But in terms of attempts, Coutinho and Sterling are the two top ones with 15 each. And uh, Salah and Sterling have also had the most attempts in the box with 13. Actually, uh, 13 of Salah's foursome attempts have been in the box, which is pretty awesome. And uh, it has a minutes per chance. He's had one every 34 minutes, uh, whereas um, whereas Coutinho's had one every 23.4 minutes and Sterling's had one every 24 minutes. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit worried about that. I think what this data shows, one, is that Coutinho is, is pretty damn good. And two, that um, it's looking at the moment that Hazard's doing a job for the team, but not actually taking shots himself and that kind of the selfish players Willian and Pedro are the ones who are who are kind of uh, trying uh, to create some end products and it's not working out yeah it hasn't been ideal I mean he's been a bit unlucky I think um, Dunk made a great clearance on the line in the last game he always seems to win man of the match but uh, yeah he's just, <laughs> yeah. just we're just seeing where are the goals where are the assists we're not seeing them at the moment and um, you meant you talked a little bit about Coutinho and uh, Salah and shall we move on to Liverpool I guess and, and mm. talk about the, the Fab Free um, which yeah, is yeah, um, no sort of Coutinho no no, not not including Mane, I'm afraid at the moment. But Salah, Firmino, one of your uh, stars of recent weeks, and um, Coutinho. But um, yeah, I guess I was, like we talked a lot in the preseason about the roulette table and the red roulette, and how every week it was a different Liverpool asset that would get the points. But it really hasn't been the case this season. You know, Salah, he's only blanked once in the last twelve game weeks, and Coutinho only only twice in the last eight game weeks. And you know, when you compare that to Hazard's recent output. Um, it's clear that these Liverpool midfielders are, are trumping him in terms of FPL assets. So I can understand why people would want to potentially double up with both of them. I mean, Coutinho, he's he's created 18 chances in the last six um, game weeks. Only only Ozil and Fabregas, and, you know, regular assisters have had more. And Salah as well, he's, he's not just goals. He, he's been creating assists as well, 14, five big chances. And even Firmino, he's a forward. So we don't really look um, at our forwards for assists. But in total, Vermino uh, has had 32 chances created all season, which is nine more than any other forward in the game all season. And he's, and he's been rewarded with this with um, four assists. So I think they they really work together as a um, as a sort of a, as a team. And um, and you can see it from the output within the games. You know, they scored five against Swansea. Even in a tough fixture like Arsenal, they they managed to get three goals. Their their form in terms of attacking output is. In, is really impressive, and I can understand why people are, are doubling up at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Firmino has been a bit of a revelation, actually. I mean, obviously, I got him in, and we've spoken about this a little bit, when I was a bit drunk, and I was thinking, you know, when I did, after Hazard blanked against West Ham, and Firmino did nothing as well, I, I was thinking, you know, this is a low. But since then, it's been absolutely incredible. So in the last four, he's had 12 attempts, 11, 11 in the box, 
five on target, and, and he scored three goals. You know, he has really emerged as a viable and a strong asset. I mean, we'll speak about his uh, his meteoric rise in terms of value, uh, in terms of price, in a little bit. But you know, having a double up has been so beneficial to me. Having um, Firmino and uh, and Salah has has just been has been so handy, um, just because you know, everyone's got Salah, and, and you know we've said it time and again that if you don't captain him, anything he does is basically a zero because I think there's a hundred percent now effective ownership amongst active players, so players who have changed their team in the last five weeks, I think is the cutoff, and it's been very good to have another member of that attacking unit. I think we saw it last year, didn't we, Nick? With uh, you know when it was Coutinho, uh, Firmino and Mane at the beginning, uh, kind of in the first half of the season, and Lallana to some extent too actually, in the in the first half of the season, it was really good to have two of them, because I think it was Coutinho who had the early kind of high ownership, so having the other one means that whoever was assisting him, whoever he was assisting, um, gave you those points, so you know, it's, it's been very good to see that, and, and I think that, you know, would you be advising a double up then at this point, Nick? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough time to recommend it because at the moment people are looking at the Spurs midfielders and that's where and the West Ham midfielders and that's where the focus, I guess, is with the impending double um, double game week. So I'm not sure. I, I I'm looking at a double up, but I'm probably going to hold off um, a few game weeks um, for the moment just because I want to get Ericsson in for the double game week and then maybe I'll get in um, Coutinho when when they play um, Swansea and Huddersfield. Um, after the Manchester City game and I've, I think you've mentioned it as well and when you, we were talking about Coutinho the other day but obviously there's there's a risk of a, a transfer and you know with the, with the transfer window opening up um, you know will will there be you know rumours about him playing for Barcelona he'll get some dodgy back injury I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure to be honest he's actually to be honest he's been really impressive and um, so far this season he's, he's come across as a, a real consummate professional in comparison to someone like Virgil van Dijk I guess who, who definitely hung up up his boots for half this season yeah for sure I mean I think with Coutinho I'm joining you on that like I'm holding on for tomorrow I think that um, after double game week I'm probably going to keep whatever Spurs asset I have um, for Everton and Southampton and then in game week 20, 25 they have Man United this is Spurs um, and whereas Liverpool have Huddersfield so that would be a very good time to swap them over at the end of January it just depends whether Coutinho is still there um, but yeah I, I think I think you're right like I think the time to get Coutinho in was a little while ago if you don't have him in now I'd just probably stay that course and we said at the beginning of the season didn't we that this is a season where you can't have them all every now and again you are going to have a player that for whatever reason you can't jump on and if you do do the major surgery you may find you lose out especially if that transfer circus comes in right let's move on to the uh, the cheap defenders then because we've spoken about the midfield we've spoken about the uh, the strikers i mean obviously we've had a little bit of a chat about west ham defenders but i've been tr- shopping around the uh, the cheap defenders category nick a lot this week um, be- just because of burnley um, now Burnley were really cool because they filled a fire and forget gap, didn't they? I mean, you had uh, you had Ward, didn't you? Yeah, I had Stephen Ward. He went all the way up to five point one. I managed to cash in on a on a cheeky zero point three in terms of transfer value, which was awesome. But yeah, he got injured, and then I think Ben Me got injured, and Tarko got suspended, and and Loughton's been in and out a little bit as well. So so the defence basically got fully crippled, and and then the fixtures um, also stiffened. So it's been um, yeah. So everyone's been saying goodbye to their Burnley defenders. And uh, bringing in, um, you know, West Ham defenders we've talked about 
I also went for Clavin, and he was a bit of a differential pick. Um, I think I'm probably the only person who owns him um, at the moment. He's actually managed to get me 21 points. Brilliant. Um, but I, I'm a bit worried about his future, to be honest, with uh, Van Dijk and um, Matip, who's also now uh, being fit again. Uh, John Joe Kenny was the other one that we both brought in, and he's he's done brilliantly for us. He's very good value, still only 4.4. So if you don't have him, we definitely recommend him. Uh, outside of those guys, it's it's it's, it's very tough in terms of um, options. I've I've had the Zanka Zanka clause for the last few game weeks, but he's a uh, he's he's not done anything despite the the decent fixtures, and they still got a few more decent fixtures up to come. Burnley, Leicester, West Ham, Stoke, but you know. Um, there are other options. I know you've you've done some analysis and you're looking at the Brighton boys, aren't you, Tom? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, as, as you said, Burnley have uh, have had a bit of a fall, have had a bit of a fall off due to injuries and suspensions. I mean, the next three home games, which is their key fortress, they've got Liverpool, United, and Man City. Um, so I wouldn't be expecting a clean sheet there. I need to replace Tarkovsky. And given what Chief was saying last week about the goals going in at the moment, around uh, as the defences tire, I think it's time to look at the attacking threat of these kind of 4.5 players. But obviously, it's a complete rogues gallery. So I think between 4.4 and 4.6, I looked at a few... Uh, interesting guys who we'd never otherwise consider in that in that bracket so I looked at uh, your man Ziegler I looked at Schindler because you've got Zanka I looked at Higazzi remember him uh, Lascelles and the Brighton lads as you just said um, Ziegler's got Swansea Man City and Southampton uh, Schindler's got Burnley Leicester and West Ham as you mentioned Higazzi's got Arsenal West Ham and Brighton Lascelles has got Brighton, Stoke and Swansea and the Brighton lads have got Newcastle, Bournemouth and West Brom and I looked at their attacking threat um, and the outcome is actually quite interesting uh, what I saw was that actually Duncan Duffy should probably have scored by now so <laughs> Duffy has had 39 penalty box touches uh, Dunks have 23, Higazi 21 the Hotsfield lads in the teens same with Lascelles Duffy has had 12 headed goal attempts and uh, Dunk, Dunks had 7 so he looks like the target for corners and the total shots is what's interesting here which kind of shows why the Brighton boys should probably have scored by now Dunks have 15 shots Duffy's have 14 they've all been in the box uh, Dunk, 5 of Dunk's shots have been on target 3 for Duffy so obviously not very good at shooting but still a shot every 120 minutes which far outweighs the, the rest they're not looking the best uh, I've got, it's got to be said and you are scratching around at the bottom of the barrel but for me, they rotate fairly well with the guys I've got at the moment. I'm probably going to be buying a two-pointer. I'm, I have no, I have no kind of worries about that. It's a maintenance transfer this week while I kind of conserve my transfers for the double game week. However, it's looking like those are kind of worthy, worthy punts just, just for the time being. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I know um, you did some analysis of Dunk. Um pre-season and he looked like a very decent pick unfortunately I think he's had a bit of a bad head because he's managed to score three goals into his own net as opposed to his opponent's net so far this season <laughs> yeah. yeah no I can understand the I can understand the appeal unfortunately you were you had a Brighton defender slash goalkeeper for a while and then got rid unfortunately I know that and then he obviously got 11 points that was Matty Ryan and uh, oh, we're going to talk a little bit me. I think about um, De Gea and your uh, issues with him a little bit later I guess but yeah no I can understand the appeal Brighton defenders I think Brighton's probably um, the best in terms of that 4.5 bracket after uh, West Ham and, and John Joe Kenny um, yeah makes makes a lot of sense 
Yeah, exactly. If, if, if music is my radar, goals are also my radar for defenders. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to let's move on to uh, the final thing. I think so. I mean, obviously, we've got the double game week period coming up. But after that, it becomes January and, you know, teams start to settle a bit. We're seeing the Messers settle a little bit and we're going to see on the anti-Messers that, that, you know, they're not doing very well because there is a template which seems to be emerging and people are putting together very strong scores. And part of that is obviously some teams need to be the whipping boys and some teams need to be the teams that you say right I'm going to make sure that my captain is facing X this week or I'm going to take a punt because I think that you know he's going to score a lot of goals against this and I think you know part of my uh, claim to fame in FPL amongst our little group of friends anyway Nick is um, a couple of years ago uh, when Aston Villa were in the Premier League and, and doing absolutely nothing I took out Aguero and uh I think one of the double game weeks, and I brought in Troy Deeney, uh, who was playing uh, playing Aston Villa, had done absolutely nothing, and uh, did nothing all game. And obviously, I, I, was, I think Aguero got an assist or something, and I, I was I was all I was very very annoyed. And uh, I, I went I was going to see my girlfriend, and I, I was in a tunnel, and it was a penalty, it was a penalty for Watford or something. Came back out the other side, and Troy Deeney had scored, and then there was another go- another goal kind of went in, you know, when you're refreshing on on live score whatever you use. And it, he scored two basically in the last five minutes, just because I've been targeting Villa. And uh, what have you looked at, Nick? I know mean, you were looking at this, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I have been looking at this, and it, there's three teams that I've uh, I've picked out as uh, being particularly poor right now, and and they are um, Swansea, Stoke, and Southampton. Unfortunately, to our listeners that are Southampton fans, I know there's a few out there. Um, so um, Stoke, I mentioned them earlier. Um, they're, they're going through crisis defensively in terms of injuries. They've conceded more goals than any other team in the league. Forty-one. Swansea, bottom of the league. Um, you know they've been a bit of a shambles all year. Um, they've got a new manager in, so there might be a new manager bounce. But um, you know they've actually conceded more shots than any other team uh, with 109. Um, Stoke are only just behind them with 100, and Southampton um, are just behind them with uh, 97. But Southampton, yeah, I mean they've they've got lots of injuries at the back. Their um, first choice fullbacks, Bertrand and C- uh, Cedric, are both out. Cedric. Unfortunately. <laughs> They're they're both out for the for the foreseeable future. Virgil Van Dijk, he's um, he's leaving, even though they're going to get a nice seventy five million to spend on new kits. But um, yeah, and uh, Hope Wesley Hope, he's he's not really been that impressive since he signed, to be honest. So I mean, I can understand. Um, so Southampton, just with their new manager, they got. I'm surprised he's still in his job, to be honest. Um, especially after they got thrashed four-one by the former manager's uh, team, Leicester, with uh, Claude Puel there. But he's he's still at the helm. But they just don't seem to be working for the guy. It doesn't seem like it's a very happy club at the moment. So um, you know, I, they're just they're just in in complete trouble. And uh, Spurs smashed them. The previous week and it's a shame because I am a big fan of Southampton and went to uni there and uh, you know I've always you know had an affinity to the club so it's just it's sad to see them in this sort of state especially um, since they were you know it was only a few seasons ago that their defence was essentially a fortress and um, I remember doubling up with uh, Forster and Bertrand and, and getting tons of clean sheets but yeah at the moment those those three teams are the ones that I would say if you're going to target teams and captain players against those teams they're the teams I mean West Ham and Everton have been doing badly as well in terms of goals conceding but they've really improved actually in the last few game weeks 
Yeah, I mean, there's going to be uh, some Saints fans out there like our writer Ed is going to be thinking, you know, come on, come on, come on, get through it. Um, but yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, I, I think poor old Swansea is probably the one that, for all intents and purposes, I'm going to be targeting pretty heavily during January. So obviously they've got the double game. They've got the, uh, the as part of the Spurs double game week, um, they play them. At game 23, they've got their away to Newcastle. But then they've got Liverpool and Arsenal, game week 24 and game week 25. And, you know, Liverpool versus versus them, is it's just not going to be very good, is it, for them? I, I think, you know, we, we've already seen that they've been destroyed by Liverpool once, and I think, I think it's going to happen again. <laughs> so um, I think there's, yeah. there's always mileage in, in targeting these whipping boys to some extent. I think every year one or two do emerge that you kind of think, well... It can be the difference, can't it, between um, you know your captaincy pick, who another te- who the other team is sometimes, and I think you know that's really good advice in terms of those three guys to target. I mean, you said that Huddersfield earlier, um, you you were pre- pretty impressed by. Yeah, I have been impressed by Huddersfield. At the beginning of the season, I kind of wrote them off a little bit, um, which was perhaps a mistake because um, they showed it just just from the opening season when they thrashed Crystal Palace that. Um, you know, this this is a team up for it. I think they've got a really good manager in, in David Wagner as well. And their defence um, seems like a very strong unit. Um, Zanka's been playing very well, my man. <laughs> and uh, just in just in general, yeah, I I rated Huddersfield, and I think um, you know, like um, they're they're obviously going to struggle and they're going to get thrashed by the big teams every so often. But um, so far, you know, they've kind of held their own in the Premier League, um, and you know, they they're probably going to survive. Yeah, well, let, let let's see. I mean, I, I I'm not doing Schindler because I I just don't trust Huddersfield as much as I trust Brighton. But it feels like six uh, one half does the other a little bit, doesn't it? Right. Okay. Uh, let's take a break there, Nick, and then move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's time to um, catch up with our anti-meta team. Um, if- if this is your first time, this is our team who uh, who aren't in the template and um, aren't being spoken about in the wider meta at the moment. We generally try and keep them under 10% owned. And I, I know they've been doing um, not as well, um, actually, uh, recently, have they, Tom? Probably because of like the meta's really kicked in the last few game weeks with um, the Liverpool guys, Sterling, Kane, smashing it week in, week out. And our anti-meta guys are kind of fall into dust a little bit I guess yeah it's kind of the end of the century in terms of the anti-metas I think um, so kind of the, the last three game weeks have not been doing very well in contrast to me I've actually overtaken them now um, from nudging 100k they're now uh, game week 18 they got 45 uh, game week 19 uh, they got 50 and this game week obviously they, they had Alexis Sanchez um, who's who scored uh, two goals this evening so it's looking like they're going to be doing okay. They're looking at, I think, probably about 75, 80 points this week, which is which is pretty good. Um, I think they're going to be pretty happy about that. Um, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, I, I think you're right that we're going to see a bit of a downturn in that. And um, I think we're going to have to move a few players on and we're going to have to use the wild card this week. Uh, what do you think we're going to do about that, man? Yeah, I mean, it's our last chance to use the wild card. So we were thinking we'd try to get the community involved a little bit. So we're going to have a few, a few polls in terms of ideas for 
for players to bring in to the new anti-meta team. So it's going to be out of the old, out with the guys who are meta now that really shouldn't be in the team, perhaps the likes of Firmino, and out with some of the other anti-meta guys who who've just seem like a little bit of dead wood, and bring in some fresh guys. And I had some, I had some ideas I could defend. I was thinking about perhaps bringing in was um, a Spurs fullback. No one's really looking at Spurs defence, especially the fullbacks have always offered attacking threat, but there's been too much rotation. So maybe we can throw one of those guys in. I don't know. Uh, midfield, I thought Oatsal would probably be a really good shout in terms of an anti-meta pick. He's been um, racking up um, the assists and the chances and the points without really getting much attention. There's a few others out there um, in terms of midfield. I think we've already got Son, but I think um, you know, like one matter might be another another option perhaps to look at. And up front, um, you know. Uh, maybe like Rashford or, or Lacazette or uh, Depatra from Huddersfield, who's been doing really well as well and hasn't really garnered the attention he perhaps um, deserves. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna reach out to the community anyway, and so you can you guys can get involved in um, how how we treat the anti-meta teams for the uh, for the rest of the season, so that they can maybe pick up the pace a little bit after a slight drop. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one man, I, d- I think Nick, who, who's not going to be leaving the anti-meta team though, is, is Alan Yom. Who we're gonna we're gonna keep looking at him. We're gonna keep following Alan. Um, Alan Yom, Yom Watch. This is our section uh, where we follow the fortunes of Alan Yom because we were so outraged. Well, Nick particularly was outraged that his 5.0 evaluation obviously didn't play last week against Everton, but he did play in game week 19. So we do have an installment of Yom Watch for you. Alan Yom started against Stoke. He he, he played as a wing back. He got 83 touches. 44 were in the opposition half. That's over half for you stats nerds. He attempted 32 passes. 25 were successful. That's 78%. He made 12 crosses, 5 of which were successful, underlining his attacking abilities. He was mentioned in dispatches thusly. In the 69th minute, Livermore guided over a left-footed volley from Nyom's deflected right wing cross. In the 70th minute, underlining Allen's attacking intent, a lofted cross was palmed over by Butland. Albion had a corner, and it was a bit of a bonus. So, Allen's been dropped from the team now, and uh, obviously he's got a charmless manager in Alan Pardew. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure he's uh, he's an option. I think that we've probably made our point now that he would, he should probably be 4.5 long for Gatsy, Nick. Yeah, I think so. And it'll be very interesting um, to see what he actually ends up being priced at next season. Maybe MFPL Towers have uh, listened in and uh, and he will be uh, 4.5 next season. But we'll have to see. That's, that's saying if West Brom even managed to stay up because um, they're in a bit of a relegation battle now, aren't they? But... Um, for those that have been following, um, we've we've got a bit of a rivalry um, with uh, FPL family in you know, hashtag Team Nyon versus hashtag Team Rondon, and uh, Nyon got off um, to a bit of a flying start. I think it was two nil at one point, but now it's it's firmly two all. I think um, with um, Rondon um, getting more points, and, and Nyon, I think Rondon got a goal as well, and, and Nyon not even starting in the last game week. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor Nyon's. Uh, progress throughout the season and um, if you see him um, outside FPL Towers or you see him down your local Lidl um, please let us know (laughs) yes please do alright Nick let's move on to the market forces to round off the feature section so this is our section where we use FPL data to describe some of the key trends in the FPL economy to try to give you guys an insight into who the key movers and shakers are and it's no surprise Nick that the top of the uh, top of the NCI this week is Roberto Firmino 
168,000 transfers in uh, for, for that guy, up to 8.9 now. Uh, I'm not sure I'd ever been saying that I'm pleased to have him, uh, but you know things are different, and uh, you, you can't really grumble at the points he's got. I'm not surprised, to be honest. I mean, Liverpool have obviously um, really been in form, and, and for me, you know, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but he's, um, you know, he's got the numbers to back him up. He's he started scoring ever since we did that Lukaku versus um, Firmino um, comparison on on one of the last pods. Um, well, I didn't rubbish him, but I mean, Firmino's just knocked him out out of the water. Four goals in the last three games and a couple of assists as well. So um, yeah, Firmino's been doing really well, and he's also. Um, a little bit cheaper than some of the other more premium attackers. And the guy that's being sold um, for Firmino is, um, looks to be mostly Lukaku. He's had over 120,000 transfers out at the time of recording. And, uh, I mean, it's no surprise, uh, not back-to-back blanks, even against, you know, teams he should be scoring against, like Leicester and Burnley. I think his output has just fallen horrendously. And um, despite having played, you know, 540 minutes in the last six games. He's only actually managed nine goal attempts, which is less than, believe it or not, the likes of Robson Carnu, Quayna, Nias, and Olivia Giroud and Daniel Sturridge, even though both of them have been per injured. And I can't even remember where they last got minutes. So I, I'm surprised that they've had actual um, better output than Lukaku. So that's, it's a bit of a shocker. I'm actually thinking about selling him. The guy I'm bringing in, is Morata most likely, but I think we'll talk a little bit more about our transfers later. Um, talk about um, the other guy who's being transferred in heavily is Lingard. So not everyone is selling Manchester United because Manchester United's fixtures are still pretty decent. They've got Southampton at home next, so those that's one of the teams that I suggested we should be targeting. And I'm actually going to be selling a guy who's playing them, oh, so it's a bit ironic oh, there. But um, times there. but um, you know, it makes sense. I think the transfer makes sense in the long run in terms of form. And um, it's no surprise Lingard's being transferred in heavily um, with his most recent form. He's um he's just been um, getting a number of goals. He has six goals and four assists, uh, three goals and one assist in the last five game weeks. He looks to be um, one of you know Manchester United's most creative and their best um, attacking um, player at the moment. And uh, even though he didn't start the last game, I can't I can't imagine Jose not starting him in the next one. And he's very cheap as well, only six point one million. Yeah, definitely. I, I was um, I was saying to you guys, wasn't I? And I think I want to get that out there that I was saying. If I could do a transfer this week, I, I did hold it in the end. But if I could, I'd have done Lingard for Richarlison. Obviously, early on, Richarlison got the assist. It was a very contentious assist, of course. But he got an assist, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, fugue, I didn't do that. Lingard comes on the half-time and gets those two goals. I think that sometimes it can happen. With, with Lingard, it's, he, he surprised me a little bit in terms of being a viable FPL asset. And some of it has been due to uh, Mkhitaryan falling off. But, you know, <clears throat> before that, he seemed to be, you know, the social media man for uh, for Manchester United. He's the sort of guy who'd be like, "Hey, hey, come out tonight, pop scene, all right? You guys, you guys should, uh, you guys should follow me." But you know, he's been doing really well. Um, but as you said, it's at the moment in terms of the where he'd come in in your side, you might as well have a West Ham player there next week rather than having Lingard now. If you've got two transfers and you've got a luxury transfer, by all means, give it a go. I mean, but Richardson's got Swansea. We'll speak about this in a minute. But yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, third in the net net transfers, uh, we'll, go, we'll do one to five, I think, Nick. Or maybe six, actually. Um, but third out is Lukaku. Um, so you're probably going to join these people, but 100, over 100,000 transfers out for Lukaku now. Yeah, I spoke about Lukaku. I mean, he. Uh, it's no surprise that people are selling him with his current form. 
he's just he's just not getting the service either from his teammates. Um, I, I remember watching the the Leicester game. It was just near the end. It's incredibly frustrating. Um, he was basically through on goal, and Rashford decided to slow up play. I think um, his teammates he seemed quite quite selfish, just like some Rashford and Martial. They, they go for goal themselves. It's not like Spurs, where they all seem to work a little bit more as a team and always trying to service their main man, Harry Kane. Lukaku's just not been getting that that service, has he? And it's um, he's very expensive as well for what he's been offering. And there's a there's a few other, you know, um, better priced alternatives up front. So I, I'm, I'm not surprised that he's being um, sold heavily. He's already had a price fall and he looks like he might get another price for so I'm gonna to have to move quickly actually if I am gonna sell him. Um but um also being transferred out is Wayne Rooney. He's had over seventy seven thousand transfers out so far. He's been ill. I know there's a few people um as part of their Kane exit plans they um sold Kane and, and brought him Rooney and he's just oh, oh so unlucky you know. <laughs> Horrendous, horrendous, unfortunately. Yeah, very unlucky. And, uh, you know, obviously you have to take a gamble when you're playing FBL. And I can understand why a few people thought about selling Harry Kane. But, you know, it really hasn't paid off, sadly, for them. And they're probably being, probably drafting him back in. Uh, but, yeah, so Rooney's being heavily sold. But the guys um, being bought is Sterling. And Sterling is um, seems to be the main man, really, for Manchester City now. Um, it was a long period of time, wasn't it, where... Um, there seems to be a bit of a you know a city pick your city player in midfield, but with um, David Silva's had some personal issues, unfortunately hasn't played a couple of games. Um, Sane seems to have dropped off a little bit of form, and he's been the victim of rotation a lot more. Um, and Kevin De Bruyne, he's very more, he's very expensive, but he's only um, picked up I think only assist in the last couple of games, so he hasn't really offered the attacking output that people wanted for his price in the most recent future. Um, in, in the most recent past, but yes, yeah, so Sterling really is standing out as the main Manchester City um, attacker. I mean, it's just brilliant. Thirteen goals and seven assists so far this season. No one would have predicted that at the beginning of the season, would they? When he was being muted as a, a, a swap deal as part of a make weight for a Sanchez transfer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, uh, I think the final two we should talk about. Uh, number one is Alonso, uh, being brought in by uh, 74,000, um, up 7.1, and maybe rising again, and finally give us that 0.1 we've been waiting for since the start of the season, Nick. Yeah. Uh, 42 shots, I think it is, he's had so far. Um, as a defender, absolutely incredible stuff. Um, I, I can't I can't say enough how much he's been misdesignated. I think next year he will be a midfielder for sure. But this year we should enjoy the uh, enjoy the fruits of of Alonso. And finally, uh, Phil Coutinho. He's been bought in by sixty four thousand people. It's probably going to be even more. I mean, we've already spoken about him a fair bit, and uh, you know, he I'm sure he lives in a house, a very big house in in the Liverpool countryside, but. There is going to be the uh, the Barcelona uh, transfer circus. It probably is going to rock up, and uh, I'm a bit worried about that for the moment. Yeah. Okay. Shall we take a break and um, move on to the community section? Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back, and it's um, time to catch up with the who got the assist mini league. And the uh, top of the pile still is. Um, Damir Tanay, unfortunately he's not top of the world anymore, sadly. He's had a little bit of a, a drop in form, but he's still um, top of the, who got the assist mini league by a fair way. Um, scores a decent score again of 71 points this game week. Uh, but it's, um, it's Callum Dunmady that's done the best, I suppose, um, with uh, 102 points for the People's Front of Judea 5. He got 
he's um he's doing really well. I think he's now up to uh, 347th in the world at current moment in time. So that might change because the Arsenal game only just finished recently. But you know he did really well, captaining Kane, Sterling, Coutinho, Lingard, who has turned out to be a brilliant pick there, um, and has also has Salah and Richarlison in midfield. So, uh, yeah, well done to him. Great score. And he, he's doing really well. 15th in Ireland at the moment as well. So, yeah, great for him. Uh, congratulations. Right, OK. Well, moving on to uh, moving on to a couple of shout-outs. The first thing to say is uh, for the FCC, the uh, the Community Cup, the FCC won't let me be. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not <laughs> the references this week. Um, P.L. Savage, we've got to give him a shout-out for organising this. It's been really, really good fun. Uh, our teammates, 2SS and... Uh, uh, MJ, FPL Fanatics, and um, Laxetto Dilla Sport. Uh, we've won the last couple of weeks. We've beaten the Assassins. Our friends there are uh, FPL Guidance at Tips FPL, FPL Connect, FPL Goats, and Sheffdale. And uh, this week we've uh, seems to have won again. Uh, FPL Penguin and Co. We've beaten them, so uh, not doing uh, not doing too badly then actually. So uh, that's that's really, it's been really good fun. I'm, I'm talking about cups. I'm actually still in the FPL Cup, believe it or not. I don't oh, think no I've ever. Way. Uh, I don't think I don't think I've ever been this far into the competition, so I've, you know we'll see how I'll, I'll keep you guys informed as to how I progress. But I'm sure I'll probably go out next week. But yeah, four four wins so far, which is brilliant. I think you went out in the first week, didn't you, Tom? Yeah, woohoo! I um, lost <laughs> to um, a dead team, and what I don't like about it is it's a bit like on Call of Duty when you know it says you know, you were killed by. Uh, the problem is is that you were killed by it goes up your screen after a couple uh, after a couple of seconds, whereas their name sticks on your on your team profile for the rest of the season, right? And this guy is a dead team. Didn't look at it after game week fifteen when he set up for a one week wonder. So it's it's a bit of a a bit of monstrosity, and I, I wasn't very happy about that to say the least. Moving on <laughs> very quickly, um, I just want to say thanks very much to those who came to the London meetup. Uh, that's Peter Blake, uh, Joe and John from FPL Geek. Uh, Kerry Dovey, uh, Andy Goodland, and Matt from Yahoo, and a couple of others. It was great to meet everybody, and uh, we had a really, really good time. So thanks, and we'll, we'll try to arrange something again. Um, definitely end of the season, but maybe something in between too. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good night. Had a few beers, a um, bit of dodgy service, but apart from that, it was um, yeah, brilliant night. And we had a, watched an amazing uh, football match as well. Probably the, one of the games of the season with the free all uh, draw, uh, Liverpool Arsenal. I know you got very animated when Firmino was scoring, weren't you, Tom? And uh, yeah, just just a great <laughs> night and great to meet um, other members of the community. So thanks, guys, for coming along. Yeah, exactly. It was really, really good. And uh, I think let's move on to let's move on to the questions, then, Nick. And uh, you know, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting time. There's there's quite a few questions going around. We I'm sorry if we didn't quite get to you. Uh, the first thing to talk about today is the mid price midfielders. So um, quite a lot of love for Lingard. Um, FPL Clasico asks, should I move Pogba on for Lingard? Uh, Saman asks, what do I do about Richarlison? Should I do Richarlison to Lingard? And uh, Andy Penman also asks about Lingard and whether he's worth kind of having a one week punt on. So, I mean, Lingard has been very impressive for Manchester United. They've got decent fixtures still, and he seems to be the um, the attacking threat. In terms of sort of Richarlison to Lingard, I'm going to hold off. I've got um, a free transfer, a luxury transfer, so to speak, but I think I'm going to give Richarlison one last go. I mean, in terms of the last six games, I did a little comparison between Richarlison and the Lingard, and Richarlison's had 
14 attempts, 12 inside the box, and only two on target, though. And I guess that's one of the frustrations of owning Richarlison all season. He's had a lot of missed chances and just doesn't seem to convert his chances. Lingard's actually had less attempts um, compared to Richarlison. So Richarlison's been a little bit more prolific, you you could say. But the thing about Lingard's attempts, they've been um, much more on target. So 60% of his attempts have been on target. So um, he's been a lot more accurate with um, with fewer opportunities, and I guess I guess it's, it's it might be worth a punt. But when Richarlison's playing, you know, bottom of the league, I, I don't I don't know if it's one that I would personally make. And it's and I guess um, Pogba to Lingard is another interesting question. But at the beginning of the season, everyone was raving about Pogba and his performances and his link up play with Lukaku, and um, and just he's had a couple of blanks. He's he's missed a few games, but um, you know, like I'm not sure if it's time. To Yet to write off um, Pogba and it, and it feels like a little bit of a sideways move personally that, that could potentially blow up in your face. Yeah, so uh, you know, it could moving Lukaku out before Southampton, uh, given all that, be a sideways move that could blow up in your face, Nick. <laughs> well, um, yeah, definitely. But I, I'm just worried about Lukaku's output, and I think Morata. I I really like Morata. He's he's had. In the last six games, he's had 22 goal attempts compared to just 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 the six, just the nine that Lukaku has had. And Amarata's playing Stoke, and you, and you can see you can see a hole. You, he did it last time, and he's he's gonna he's gonna definitely score against them again. Surely, I mean, every transfer in the game is a risk. Every you know you 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 can. From your uh, transfer history this season, we've seen yeah, a, few, yeah. a few dodgy moves. I can't, so. I can't talk. Can well, I, really? I, think I, I can't. I can't keep Lukaku. He's going to fall in value as well. And uh, Morata's got the um, decent fixture, so I don't think it's, a, it's too much of a crazy move. But yeah, no, you, you might disagree. Yeah, FPL loves the way we don't stand a chance, doesn't it? Uh, let's move on to Scott Beck's question. He asked, um, "Will Virgil Van Dijk make Liverpool's defence worthwhile?" I think it's a bit being a bit harsh on um, Liverpool's defence because I think actually in the last four five game weeks they've they've done really well defensively, haven't they? I think um, Robertson's been um, quite a good shout for those that brought him in. I've had you know a few clean sheets from uh, Ragnar Klavan of all places. Um, you know, Matt, but the problem I think um, for me actually is with Matip coming back from injury and Virgil Van Dijk. Um, yeah, also signing his days aren't going to be numbered. Robertson as well. He's he's been playing because Marino's been injured. But when Marino's back, surely he's going to lose his place. And then you've got the right backs um, rotating a lot with Joe Gomez and um, Alexander Arnold. So it depends. Um, I guess it depends who you would pick for the Liverpool defence. I think you you think that Virgil Van Dijk might be an option himself. Well, I mean he's five point four, and I think. We saw a couple. I mean, last year he didn't really play too much because of injury. I mean, maybe that would be a bit of a, a red flag for some people too, and the, the fact that he was he's been injured a little bit. I mean, there's a few people like um, Sheffdale was talking about his attitude as well, which may be a factor. But I mean, in, in fifteen sixteen when he first moved, uh, he was part of ten clean sheets, uh, three goals he scored, so he was a bit of a threat, wasn't he? And it, it could be the fact that you know. Klopp has got a fantastic attacking unit there, but he said several times—I don't know whether you believe him or not—that he's a defensive coach. He said he was a defensive coach at Dortmund. Um, what I like about it, especially being an Arsenal fan, where we've got glaring errors which we haven't actually addressed, is that he can see what the glaring error is. He was trying to address it in pre-season, and you know he's gone back and got his man. Yeah, he spent seventy-five million, but that's the—that's just the market rate at the moment. Uh, frankly, if Cole Walker's <laughs> worth. 50 million plus then I'm guessing Van Dyke at 65 million is you know the new 20 million god knows um, but at the end of the day you've got to hope 
with that kind of level of signing, if you're a Liverpool fan, that that's going to lead to defensive solidity. He looks like a player who knows the Premier League, has definitely got the physique, seems to actually have some sense of ball playing ability about him as well. Is definitely a threat because of that physique, and you know maybe that will mean that Liverpool's defence is something worth investing in. They're they're pretty decent at home actually. I saw that when but because because Burnley can uh, conceded the goals against Kane, it made Liverpool the best home defence of any team in the Premier League, which obviously destroys all stereotypes, and we all love stereotypes. But um, that was uh, you know. It could it could work out very well with Matip next to him, who I do rate quite highly. So we shall see. But I think Scott, in the end, VVD will be worthwhile. Whether I'd invest in him straight away, maybe not. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think on? yeah, definitely avoid him for the moment. I think he's just he's just his attitude recently and his performances this season just haven't impressed me at all. So he's gonna. He's going to have to, you know, I can't believe 75 million, but we'll have to see if he, he performs in the Liverpool shirt. Yeah, fair enough. All right, moving on, uh, Stephen Toomey asks us, budget forwards, basically, who are we going to have? Well, the, the two guys I've actually been looking at in terms of budget forwards are, are both play for Huddersfield, um, which seems to be my favourite team at the moment. But uh, <laughs> I think there's Departure. He's been doing really well. He's only 5.4 and he's managed to get um, three goals and two assists in the last four games. And the other guy who's been doing really well is... Um, Quainer, who's he's just he's just very cheap. That's the appeal of him. He's he was he was four point five. He's actually had a price rise. He's now four point six. But he's picked up a couple of assists in the last few game weeks. And um, with um, Kachunga being out for a while, he seems to be nailed as well. And I know you you were thinking about him as a potential option, weren't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think that the beauty of him is he's basically like a Nietzsche B last year, and that he lets me slip away to um, having a free five two. Um, and you know the money that I save on uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I think his time is 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 running low. And Graham Smith also said to us about him and whether it was worth keeping him. And I I think that Sam Allardyce has said um, Liverpool Echo. I think quoted him saying that um, he was a high energy player, but he was running out of energy. You know because he played so many games and he wasn't used to it. And they've got a bid accepted for Chenk Tozen. Uh, a, I'm sorry if I've mispronounced that. A Turkish player, a Turkish striker, who is quite uh, quite highly rated. So um, he'll be one of our first prospects in the prospects. If he signed in the shirt, we're bringing that back. Um, but he his time may come to an end soon, and it might be the case that we end up cashing in on him and going. Oh, I, I personally would think of going ultra budget with that slot to enable me to push that money into RLC, make that into a better player. And then off we go. All right, let's move on. Uh, Nathaniel Bakari um, asks us, uh, should we own a premium defender now, uh, given the performances of Otamendi and Alonso? And I think we've both kind of spoken about Alonso and both owned him uh, for a very long time through the price drop and through not doing anything to now when he's finally flourishing. I mean, I guess my advice would probably be put Alonso in if you don't put Alonso in put Azpilicueta in because he and Morata that combination I think they've only one more uh, one more assist between them to top the, the top combination ever in the Premier League um, but yeah I, I think that a, a premium defender is looking uh, particularly useful at the moment amidst the 4.5s who as Chief said last week are looking like they're going to be conceding because of their tiring 
Yeah, and it makes sense. And I think there's one other premium defender who's worth a look. It's someone I actually sold, unfortunately, earlier on this season. That's Otamendi. He's now up to 6.3, but Manchester City seem to be keeping clean sheets um, every other week at least. Um, they've now had nine clean sheets. Otamendi is the guy that plays in every game if he's um, not suspended or injured. Mm-hmm. And he's also scoring goals. He's now had four four goals scored. And he's actually... Um, you know, he's up there with the likes of Coutinho for points overall. And Sane, he's had three more points than Sane. At the, at, and he's only priced at 6.3. So if you can fit him in his t- in your team, I would recommend him. And Alonso, of course, you meant, you talked about Alonso and Aspen at the Equator. But those are the guys, if you're looking at premium defenders, I think it is definitely worth having at least one of those guys in your team and try and find the money for it. Because they're not, they're not really that expensive if you compare them to the prices of you know the top scoring midfielders and the top scoring attackers they're actually um really good sort of points per value yeah for sure for sure and uh, finally um sorry if we didn't get to your question guys i know Vin- Vinay kumar asked us about coutinho but we've already uh, spoken about that quite a lot um fpl bull asks us can we trust the united defense do you want? Do you want to take this one? Because I know you you uh, brought in uh, Dav, David De Gea, haven't you? <laughs> and he's, yeah, so since you brought him in, he's, he's sort of had a mini Samson, hasn't he? Moment, oh, he's in his ponytail. Yeah, but I, I think uh, well, any any uh, any David Seaman call out appears to have not worked out very well. Um, but the fact is, I mean, when I brought him in, he just got on a clean sheet against Bournemouth, and the next three: West Brom, Leicester, Burnley. He's got Southampton, Everton, and Stoke to come, but. That was all. They were all looking banker clean sheets, weren't they? Uh, the, the thing is, is that Mourinho seems to have entered into his third season syndrome a season early, where he's you know fighting battles against shadows. You know he's uh, he, he's he's starting fights in an empty room. He's he's calling out his own players. I mean the ludicrous stuff about Man City spending loads of money. Um, you know. Whatever whatever's going on there doesn't seem to be helping out the Man United's defence. With, with Valencia out and Bailey, uh, Bailey, Bailey out, they don't yeah. seem to be particularly as solid as they were before. But they still have yeah. four fairly good games. So they've got Southampton, Everton, Stoke and Burnley to go. Uh, with Burnley, we saw scored against them. But I think the hope has to be, and I'm probably going to have to keep De Gea now because it's, it's a goalkeeper, Um I think I'm going to have to keep him for those. And I think our, our kind of rulers, I mean, obviously there's Jones, obviously there's Smallin, uh, who's now injured, the people bought in. But I think that our, my advice would be don't buy, don't sell, frankly. If you if you own them, you have to stick by them, I think, at the moment because of the double game week context. But um, I probably wouldn't buy into them either, given the inconsistency. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think if you own a Manchester United defender, it's probably only going to be Phil Jones or De Gea. I'd say hold him at this moment in time, but I'm not necessarily looking at transferring in these guys either. In in Manchester United's current form, obviously you've mentioned all the injuries they've got by Valencia. These are two of their best defenders. Um, and then the, the ones you've got left just really haven't impressed this season. Lindelof's been... Pretty poor, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and Rojo, he, he's played five games so far, and he's still on zero FPL points, <laughs> you know, hopefully no Rojo owners, um, I mean, Luke Shaw, um, he's, he's one of the ones that's been mu- much maligned by Jose, and uh, yeah, he barely plays either, so there's really not much out there in terms of options other than Phil Jones, and he's a bit more expensive than he was. He's now up to 5.6, so he's perhaps not the best person to be looking at, despite the, the decent fixtures. 
Fair enough. Right, so we're running out of time. Let's move on to the, to the end, Nick, and uh, captain choices and changes. So, I mean, I, I've outlined probably my own issues this week in terms of where I'm making the move. It's a maintenance move because I'm keeping two free transfers in my pocket for the double game week. Um, I'm moving on Tarkovsky. I think I'm going to move to Dunk just to save myself for 0.1. I know that sounds ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably what I'm going to do. Newcastle away, that's probably going to be a two-pointer, let's be fair. But that's probably what I'm going to do. Um, Captain-wise, I'm probably going to try to consolidate my rise uh, into 400k, which sounds really depressing, but actually means a lot to me. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to Captain Salah. Yeah, I think um, the universal's there in terms of um, the captain pick because I'm also looking at Salah as um, my sort of first choice. Um, obviously, he's just been incredibly consistent throughout the season, and and I think he's just gonna he's just gonna continue to see um, more goals and assists from him, and he's just looking brilliant. So yeah, he's my picker. Um, in terms of transfers, I've talked about it a lot already on the pod, but yeah, Lukaku out from Morata is going to be my move. I'm probably going to do that as soon as we sign off tonight because I think Lukaku might fall tonight. Um, yeah, so those, those are my transfers. I'm going to have two for the um, the double game week, um, which I'm probably going to be doing. Um, Hazard and Richarlison out. They're getting their last hurrah against Stoke and Swansea. We'll see how they do, but they're still going to be out, unfortunately, for Eriksson and Anatovic. Yep, same here. So uh, Richardson's going for Arnautovic and uh, Hazard's going for either Ali or Son just because you're getting Harrison and you know, we, we want to have a little bit of fun on, on the pod in terms of differentiation. Although maybe my early season stuff from moving Salah was not a good idea. Anyway, um, so there's a theme to each pod. Um, last week, obviously, it was a Christmas theme with Chief, uh, but a big star to Tom Campbell. Uh, who got the chief and both of us were trying to name all of the reindeer on the pod, uh, even though some of the uh, references were crowbarred in, to say the least. I think um, Tom has done a good job there. Yeah, I think it was a bit awkward calling Sterling a vixen, but it had, had to be done for the for the occasion. So, yeah, so we, so we are who got the assist. Uh, moving swiftly on, we are who got the assist. You can find us on whogottheassist.com, on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. And if you haven't joined our league... As of yet, our league code is 1538-17403. Yep, uh, Happy New Year to all of our listeners. We'll be back next week, and we'll be back with Alex Ball, um, who will be guesting. Um, he's at Alex Waterbaby on Twitter, and he comes all the way from New Zealand, uh, not to speak to us in person, but obviously uh, digitally. Uh, but we obviously love an intercontinental pod, and we're really looking forward to having him on. Um, and that'll be in the, uh, in the aftermath of the massive double game week coming up. So best of luck for that, uh, and speak to you then. Yeah, but we hope this assists you. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.